Hi, I'm Julie Wilkinson and I'm a Chartered Management Accountant and I'm excited to be launching the Build and Exit podcast. This podcast is for business owners and entrepreneurs who are looking to expand their business portfolio by acquisition or at some point in the future want to exit their business. We're going to bring real life stories and experiences of people who have grown by acquisition, who have exited their businesses and other areas of business such as funding and cash flows. So there'll be lots of opportunity to learn different areas of business and how you can, in the end, transition your business from a lifestyle to an asset. So look forward to seeing you soon. Hi, and welcome to the Build and Exit podcast. I'm Julie Wilkinson, and I'm the um, owner and founder of Wilkinson Accounting Solutions. Uh, We are an accounting and consultancy firm that specialise in uh, business acquisition, so we help people buy businesses and exit strategy plan. I'm really hoping you're enjoying the episodes, and today I am bringing you Francis West, who is the owner and founder of uh, Security Everywhere. We're primarily going to be talking about uh, cybersecurity today, which is quite interesting because it's one of the things that not many people talk about. Because, um, like Francis always says, it's quite invisible unless you're unless it impacts you. But there's going to be some great stories, and it's really shocking to think that Francis's biggest issue we see is 1.4 million of cash lost because of cybersecurity. So I think you're going to want to tune in to see what you need to think about in business, but then as a as an owner and acquisition, like what you should be looking for in due diligence. So firstly, Francis, I want to thank you for coming on the show. No, thank you, Julia. Uh, I, it's so nice to be invited to these uh, podcasts. I've done, I, I did a count the other day, I've done over 200 of these since wow. or, or presentations on cybersecurity since the beginning of COVID. Wow. And we'll talk about our mission later. But I, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to help uh, hopefully many more people that listen to this podcast after it goes out today. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I just want to hand over to you. Maybe you can just give a bit of a background about why you're so passionate about cyber and uh, what you're helping people with. Yeah, Jenny. So I've been in the IT support game for over 33 years now. I work with my business partner. He's done 34 years. He's got one year on me. And we've always done security. But I would say probably about three or four years ago, the only thing where I can describe it is what we saw was a tsunami of cyber attacks, especially on smaller businesses. And only uh, two weeks ago, I was in London at the Future of Cybersecurity in, uh, event in, in, in London. And the guys were saying that, you know, a lot of companies out there today, when it comes to cybersecurity, they expect the flu jab to fix COVID and it doesn't work anymore. So what, I, what, it, what I'm trying to say is old technology, all the well-known systems that we, that we grew up with, sadly, it's just not man enough anymore to protect businesses. And I would say probably 95% of businesses that we meet are not even 5% adequately protected. Why? Because they're still using old technology to fix a new problem. So what we decided to do um, three or four years ago, was to to go out to the market and we looked at, I mean, we're not all of them, but there are 12,500 security solutions out there for businesses. How do you even know where to pick? So unless you eat, sleep and breathe and dream about this every day, you don't even know where to start. So we then found, or with a lot of research and a lot of effort and a lot of blood, sweat and tears, we, we found the five top solutions or security services on the planet. And we've now met it in, we've enabled the smallest businesses when they, they've got one user, five users, 10 users, 100 users to have the same level of protection as NASDAQ and Netflix and TGI Fridays because why should they not have the same level of protection? So yeah, so we made it our mission 
to educate and protect at least a million businesses from hackers and scammers by 2020, was it 23, what are we now, 2023, 2026. So that's, we're on a mission and we're helping as many people as possible. Wow, yeah, sounds sounds good. And obviously I put a mission after this that I probably need to get myself checked out or the company checked out. So um, I'll be doing that after this. I think you should. I think I definitely good. should. You, you owe it to your clients. I do, you owe it yeah, to your we all do. We all have a duty of care, don't we? So We, we do. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we talked about the biggest case you've ever seen. You mentioned you saw a 1.4 million loss. So... I think that's obviously a big number of people were thinking, oh my God, I don't want to lose 1.4 mil. So just talk us through like what, what, why, what happened? Yeah. So uh, one thing I didn't mention during the introduction is uh, for my sins, I now serve on six cybersecurity panels, including the home office and uh, work with uh, the cyber resilience centers. There are nine in the UK, also a founding member of the Eastern Fraud Forum. Also work very closely with a number of the uh, UK cyber police teams, as in cyber police. And sometimes they even place young offenders with us so that we can help re- uh, rehabilitate them. But this is a case that was actually referred by the Eastern Cyber Resilience Centre. And it's a, it's a local business in Hertfordshire, a building firm. And the hackers were on their systems for at least six months. And on that note, I don't know if you know this, but... Uh, the average in the UK now is 237 days where somebody or the hackers are sitting on your system completely undetected and they're gathering information about you or about your clients or about your suppliers uh, with the view of then launching attack. And we'll, you should ask me a question about charities later and I'll explain why. But what happened there was, so they managed to get onto the main accounts uh, people's uh, PCs and they then started uh, monitoring when these people were sending out uh, both statements and also invoices. And at the right moment in time, that was very, very well planned, they logged in remotely into the zero accounting system because it wasn't locked down properly and changed all the bank details. And of course, all the statements and invoices started going out. And within two weeks, that business lost 1.4 million pounds. And of course, the banks turned around and said, tough. You know, it was your systems that weren't secure. So said, I, I haven't checked recently, but they lost. I reckon they lost most of it. You know, never mind the embarrassment because all their clients and their suppliers started finding out that their business didn't secure themselves properly. And as a result, they lost not only money, but they lost clients as well. So on that scenario, because we'll talk about internal controls, so I'm going to move away a bit from cyber because I know in the finance world, we talk about controls. Uh, what we, we recommend to people, so when you get a letter through from change of bank details from someone like a supplier, um, we would always recommend that you phone the supplier up to confirm because it happens all the time. I remember when I worked at British Sugar and I used to work in Purchase Legend, we used to do that role. I'd say in one year there was five, at least every year there was about five letters that came in. But phoning the number on the letter doesn't help because normally they've changed the number no. on the letter to be. The, so we would yeah. always have to. So it's all about the data when you sign up the supplier because you want to get the contact details and the email address on your system that you verify at the beginning so that if you get this letter you then phone them so that then they can verify and by doing that we actually had people go oh no no we haven't changed our bank details so they had obviously been that had obviously happened to some of these customers 
uh, well, suppliers yep. to us, uh, but we picked it up. Um, so actually, as as much as the individual company has a duty of care, I think our every business has their own duty of care to do their own due diligence when they're getting like change of bank detail letters, um, because this Absolutely. has been going on for years. I mean, this happened. Oh, that was probably 15 years ago now, 15, 16 mm. years ago that was happening. So I can imagine it's even worse now. So. Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's going exponential. You know, every every day you wake up, there's not a, a chance that you're not going to hear something either on, on your uh, computer or on the news or on the radio or on LinkedIn or Twitter a tweet or something and and just going back one step judy you said about reporting earlier do you know that only between two and five percent of all cyber crime right now are being reported yeah blimey and so you think people are being sort of conned out of money but they're not reporting it maybe through embarrassment or they do they know do they even know to, well, they they know eventually. When you lose money, eventually you're gonna it's gonna pain. It's gonna hurt yeah. a bit, isn't it? They they don't report it for two reasons. Number one, because it, it depends if they're regulated or not. They they're scared of the ICO fines, okay? Because GDPR breach, of course. Or two, they they scared of the um, their reputational damage mm. because you know we we're seeing uh, cases after cases that if when people find out that you were responsible for losing their data, they 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 don't want to do business with you anymore. And and I mean there are cases uh, I'm trying to remember, and I'm not just talking about big companies; I'm talking about small companies as well. They simply oh, yeah. You you asked me about a a case about the um, the accountancy. I don't know if I told you this story. We we had an accountancy referral a couple of weeks ago. So not only, this is the second time this guy got hacked, right? Second time. So not only did they get into his Dropbox account, his Zero account, all his email accounts, they started phoning his customers and saying, so by the way, we got your details from your accountant, and unless you pay us X amount of money, we're going to do the same to you. Oh, my goodness. Do you know what his IT company told him to do, Julie? His IT company told him, oh, just wipe and reload your machines, you'll be fine. Do you know, and that's criminal. So, so not only did he lose so many customers, he was he was very badly advised until, of course, he came to us and we told him how to fix this problem permanently. Blimey. But this is this is sad because this stuff could have been prevented. Yeah. So on that note, then you know, if someone wants to see if they're at risk of cybercrime, I mean, is there? I mean. You know, it, do they have to sort of come to a company like you, or is there sort of their own due diligence they could do internally as a? Because, uh, like, as an example, I mean, I've got an IT firm, and we think we're doing data security through them. I suppose, as someone that doesn't know anything about IT and security, how would I know as a person to check whether I am secure? Is there a way I can well, check it? Or th- there are many ways. There are uh, for what size customer are you thinking about now? Because I'll give you different answers. I can either give you bottom, middle, top answers. Well, I suppose if you take the accounting firm, which I suppose was that accounting yeah. firm a relatively small, medium-sized firm? Yeah, there was. The, no, there were only ten staff. Yeah, so so that might be a similar size to me as an example. So if you use the accounting firm yeah. as an example, and my firm that might be relatively similar size as that sort of size yeah. firm. What's a practical step that someone could take to uh, make okay. sure? The, the the first one I'd like to recommend is if, um, and I'm sure you're going to ask me later, but our website is, is security-everywhere.com. If you go to our website on the main page, you'll see we've created what we call a cyber health quiz. 
It takes three minutes to complete. It's 25 questions. It's free to do. And within three minutes, you will get an audit report that shows you not only the areas that you need to improve on immediately, but it'll also give you a lot of advice and links to resources on how to do it yourself. Now, of course, if you can't do it yourself, you come to somebody like me. But that's the quickest and easiest way you can find out within three minutes where your risks are when it comes to cybersecurity in a small or even larger business. So that's one way. The other way, which I always recommend to people, you know, as I'm sitting on the on the security panel for the Eastern Cyber Resilience Center, is you go onto, onto their website. If you just Google Eastern Cyber Resilience Center, you'll see, again, they've got so many different resources that you can use uh, to, to do different but similar audits. Some of them are paid for, um, you know, for instance, there's one on, on website auditing or, or inside auditing for, I think, about 400 pounds. Or if we jump up from there, we can actually I work with a team of people where we can do penetration testing. We can try and get into your business externally. We can try and uh, run an audit or, an, an, again, a deep dive audit. We call them uh, a penetration test from internally in your business. And those normally start at about 1750 upwards, you know. So really, it depends on on what your risks are and how much you value your business the way you start, you know, with, with, with doing an audit on your on your systems. But I'm sure like you, you know, when you read a balance sheet or, or profit and loss, I mean, you can just spot the problem straight away without even thinking. And that's the same for us. And my view sometimes, again, depending on the size of the business, is why spend money on an audit and spending thousands of pounds on an audit where if you if we use the, the analogy of, of a car, you take your car to the garage, you get an MOT, right? Now you drive out of the, the garage and now you've just bumped a small pole and now your headlight or your, your reverse light is broken. So you're completely out of com compliance. Would you agree? So that's the same as an audit. An audit just gives you a time slice of what the problem is. Rather invest that money. That's my advice for any business owner to improving your cybersecurity instead of just telling you what the problem is. Mm. We know what the problems are because we've been doing it for so many years. We know what the key areas are, the quick wins to reduce your risk by 99 plus percent. Does that, does that give you an answer? Yeah, I know it's yeah, a long yeah, one, no. as, as always. No, no, it does. <laughs> but, and I think that um, free check that you're talking about is a good starting place for smaller pe people as well, isn't it? So Yeah, they love it. It's instant. It's good. Um, it's all based around, you know, five key areas within your business. And, and it, it originates, originally, we, we took the, um, some, I mean, our years of learning plus the National Cybersecurity Center advice, and we made it better. Mm, wow. Yeah, so there's a couple of big examples there, and I'm sure there's hundreds more. Um, so I suppose if we flip it round, because that's kind of looking, you know, if you don't do cybersecurity checks, you know, you're at risk of X, you know, losing 1.4 mil, breaching ICO regulations. Um, however, I suppose you've also got some positive stories. So if we think about it from an acquisition side, I know you mentioned to me about a recruitment firm that um, you actually improved the valuation from having helping them set up good I suppose security network. You, you might that's what I would call it. I don't know the official word. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Yeah, it was a lovely case. You know, I'm still waiting for my for my um, check. But anyway, I was only joking. But um, yeah, so so a, a, a client that we've had now in London, about sixty odd staff, a great company. You know, 
And we looked after them for years. And then within time, we improved all the security and, and they were running all our core layers of services. And then one day he phones me up. He says, Francis, I'm really, I've got some bad news for you. I said, what's that? He says, I'm leaving you. I said, what do you mean? Jeez, you know, you've been a good client. He says, no, you won't believe it. I've just sold my business. He said, but here comes the best part. When, when the company came in to do their due diligence on our business, they said they've never, ever found a business this secure and well, you know, supported from an IT perspective. And as a result, we were able to get a higher multiple for our business. Mm. Wow. So, and I thought, brilliant. That is, and, and that to me is a good thing because, you know, it is our personal and company responsibility to look after the data that we hold. Data is the new gold, end of. And surely you should look after data better than you look after your money. And if you do, you can sell your business for more. There's another, there was another great stat that I, I read the other day. Uh, and I wish I could remember it, but it was a high percentage, you know, that people say that, you know, if if somebody can prove that they that their data, for instance, is not for sale on the dark web or, or has ever been leaked, then immediately they can they can determine a higher multiple for their business. Again, it depends on the sector. And that makes sense to me. Why? Because if I if your business is, is based purely around data, in other words, customers, databases, you know, trends, everything else, and I can steal that data, either obviously not in a legal way, then surely why should I buy your business? Because I've got your data already. Hmm. Yeah, no, it makes sense. And that's it? why a lot of people and, and, and we haven't spoken about the dark web yet. And and the dark web, you know, where you can buy child porn and AK forty sevens and any drug of choice and have it delivered to your house this afternoon. Surely it's important to know what's going on on the dark web so that if any of your data becomes for sale, you can take action. Because why? You know, you're going to need to be able to answer that question the day you're sitting in, around a boardroom table and you're trying to sell your business. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose if you think about it like that, you know, they get a higher multiple. I suppose really you know, because we do a lot of acquisitions. I have to admit, cyber isn't something some people talk about a lot. But I suppose thinking about, you know, if somebody can lose 1.4 mil, if you're buying a business that hasn't got good security, ultimately your risk is you could lose. You could be hacked at any one point in time. You could be unlucky and you could get hacked just after you bought the business. So um, Precisely. So that's, good point. So, yeah. so therefore, I think, you know, on the sell side, you can hopefully uplift the valuation. And the question is, on the buy side, are they actually thinking about security and cyber um, as a risk? Because obviously we can see from here it's, it is a pretty big risk. And probably why with anything more going digital, it's becoming a bigger and bigger risk, isn't it, with more things being online and things like that as well? Yeah. And I'm just looking at the – I keep record of the stats, you know, so I attend a lot of uh, – this was the um, one of the events that I – Attend, or I was speaking at the other day, it was um, Essex, Essex uh, Police. And one of the things that they shared there was 83% of small and to medium-sized businesses are not financially prepared to recover from a cyber attack. That's a big number. Yeah. Well, yeah, because you, 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 yeah, you lose I, your I, money. Well, it's, it's not for me, it's not just the money. It, it, I'll give you another example of that, Okay. You know, the other day, uh, again, uh, this was last year, beginning of last year, there's a lady, again, funny enough, another another business, 
it wasn't an accountancy business. It was, it was a um, architectural business, right? And this poor lady, she's been working in the business now for 30 years. I'm going to call her Mary. Now, Mary was responsible for clicking on a link and making a payment for 47,000 pounds, a small business. Problem is, she took it so personally that she, she's been, when I last checked, this was last year, admitted, I haven't checked recently. She, she's taken off work for over six months because she felt personal, personally responsible for making that mistake. Well, so she paid you to know, the wrong bank details. And when I spoke to the owner, yeah, because she made the mistake, she made the payment, okay? But because really it, it's brought the business, it, it, it lost all their cash flow. Mm. So the problem is, and when I spoke to the owner, the owner said, oh, but it was Mary's mistake. And da, da. I said, I'm sorry, I disagree with you, John. Mm. This is why. I said, for two reasons. One, you never had any email security in place to prevent that email to get into her inbox in the first place so she would have never made the payment. Two, you, you spoke about processes earlier, so important. You had no process in place to actually, for her, or training in place for her to go, hold on a second, let me just, this is the way I need to triple check it, make sure it's a big amount, you know. How could she just make a payment of 47000 I know she's been there for 30 years, but still. Well, there's no one should be. No, and then no he completely person. changed his mind. But he was, yeah. But he was blaming her, and I'm like, no. Mm. Yeah, poor culture. At the end of the day, this is, you know, not people, and it goes to show even business leaders. Yeah, people don't take enough accountability. Like in the end, I used to work in businesses, and I used to see, you know, senior directors standing in the hallway screaming at staff, blaming them for things. I'm like, in the end lower level staff it isn't their end accountability it's it's always someone above so as the business owner it's their end responsibility to make sure they have the processes and controls in place that these things can't yeah. happen because there's an example you know that's these sorts of payment things are quite simple to fix you have a control when you get a change of bank letters like i said earlier that you phone and check it yeah that that would remove the risk of anyone paying new bank details incorrectly because you'd be checking it you have a sign-off yeah. DLA process of invoices and payments. So no one person should be able to pay £50,000 unless you're the owner and you've got full sign ability. But no lower level star should have the ability to pay £50,000 with no second authorization um, yeah. for, for a second thing. And also, like you say, then the email security as well. And actually, if they probably had had those three things in place, you know, even probably just the sign-off process even just one of those probably would have counteracted it. Um, so uh, precisely, yeah, yeah. So there's, so I think there's two things, isn't there? There's the there's the actual data security in terms of making sure you get the check and protect yourself as best you can. Um, however, yeah. there's also the controls and processes internally because if something slips through the net, you know, and you know things can go wrong, get corrupt. If something slips through the net, you can have se secondary controls that stop it happening. Um, and that usually comes through from segregations of duties on systems, making sure like people can't, one person can't do multiple things. Yeah. And and Julie, just on that point, you know, one thing that we haven't discussed, uh, maybe we need to do that another, another time, is the supply chain. Mm. Because how many, are, and this is both supply chain in my head, is both the customers and the suppliers mm -hmm. to a business. Yeah. Not just the suppliers. Oh, yeah, because it's both. Because the customers send info, and I'm thinking now about a, uh, an accounting firm, for argument's sake, they send information, files, over, that are infected, right? Suppliers 
have access into your systems or using software that's not properly secured and they send attacks into your business. So the million dollar question in my head is, when last did people with your top five or top 10 suppliers do an audit to actually determine what's their risk to their own business from the people that they do business with or that they buy from? Mm. Yeah. Does it, does it make sense? Yeah. And, 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 yeah. and that includes, dare I say, your IT provider because your IT provider's got full access and and people people always say, to, oh, my IT company's got it covered. And I'm like, great. I bet they are brilliant at fixing your PC, set up email accounts and everything else. But then I ask them two questions. Like, Number one, if their security service gets it wrong, will they pay the ransom? No, of course not. And I'm going, why not? Surely they're that good, then they should be able to pay a ransom. Oh. Number two, and I'm going to defend the IT company in a minute. Number two, Will, when will they respond to an attack? 2.30 a.m. on a Saturday bank, bank holiday, Monday, like we just had on the Easter bank holiday. Oh, maybe on the Tuesday morning. I said exactly. And this is why I think that IT support companies should purely be tasked to do IT support related work, like accountants do accountancy. Mm. You don't phone your accountant up and ask for legal advice, well, do you, on how to buy, buy a house? Well, some people do. Oh, I'm sure oh, they yeah. do. We're, but we're, at least you can't legally all give them. <laughs> no, no, true. But but and and this is the, what they're doing with, with the other providers. And this is why I think the whole supply chain thing, from a logical point of view, from a security point of view, really, really needs some attention. The fact is, as a business, you've got an ethical responsibility to your employees, your customers and your suppliers to make sure you're doing the right thing. You know, like someone, you know, even in the currency world, when it comes to sort of tax Sometimes that's, you know, real complicated tax areas. I think sometimes people feel pressurised to sort of always say they can do something because they don't want to show yeah. face to think they can't. So like, Agreed. and, and you know, we see this in the accountant and tax world where, you know, they'll go, oh, my accountant can do this tax. And we're like, mm, this is a specialised piece of tax work, you know, some, some form of real specialised overseas VAT or complicated stuff. And I'm a bit like... I don't think a traditional accountant could do this. You might need a specialised accountant, but actually they phone their accountants and they might not want to say, because they're thinking, God, if I can't do this, I might lose the business. Well, the fact is we live in a world where I think we have to be willing to lose business to be ethical. You can't lie about what you're going to, what you can do. And yeah. maybe IT companies have a similar thing that maybe if they're, I mean, I don't know, I've never asked my IT company about cybersecurity, actually. To be honest, I wouldn't have even thought about cybersecurity until I talked to you. Um, yeah. but, but to be fair to them, they've never said to me, oh, we do cybersecurity. It's just like a knowledge piece, isn't it? Um, across the thing of, and, and, yeah. You know, and, and, and on that point, Judy, I think it's, I'm glad you, you even said it and, and you admitted it because that's great because most people don't. You know, when you take your, dare I say, your children or your husband or your partner for heart surgery, do you take them to the local GP or do you find a heart surgeon? And, and, and that's my message today for a lot of people. You know, if you're going to get, if you want to get properly protected, go to a specialist. I like myself or somebody else, doesn't matter. But get professional at health. Don't rely on the flu jab to fix COVID because then you're going to have a real problem. Mm. Yeah. Because it's a question of when, not if. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting, actually. I think... No, I'll stun you now, Julie. Sorry. 
Yeah, no, I think it's... I think, I, I've made you quiet now. First time ever, Judy's quiet. <laughs> Never speechless, yeah. I know, I know. So, oh, God, the That's time just flies. I mean, this has been really interesting. I mean, this is... Oh, well, I think this is really well, interesting. we haven't even started We haven't yet. even touched on it. We We're going to have to spoke. do... We haven't. Oh, we're gonna have we to do another talked, episode. We, we only, no. Yeah, we're gonna have to do another episode. I Francis. think we need to, and and maybe what you could do is, uh, you know, I mean, there's so many areas. Oh, we could again, we can talk. We can go into detail about why does normal computer security not work. Mm. And I'll tell you why quickly because it doesn't, it can't detect unknown threats. Yeah. Number one. Number two, it doesn't pay your ransom. Number three, it doesn't have a security operation center that comes with the the, the computer security. Mm. So in other words, 2.30 in the morning, when you start sending files to China or to Russia or wherever, normal computer security will think that you're working late. Mm, you know, yeah. and that's the problem. Mm. You know, then we need to talk about things like password security. Why is that so important? What about the dark web? We need to talk about email security. 94% of attacks come in by email. Mm. Why do you want to make your own staff member or even your children responsible for deciding whether this email is an attack on the business or personal mm. life or not. Mm. Then talk about backup and recovery and about awareness training. Do you know, I mean, that's just five key areas, which again is covered in the, of course, in, in the in the quick audit. But uh, it, it's the, you know, people need to really understand the risks and they need to know one good thing. The positive no- news here is, we can't control what's going on in the economy. Maybe some people can. You know, we can't control what's going on in Russia. But the one thing we can t- control is our cybersecurity. Fact. We can mm-hmm. fix that problem. So if so, I think we will have to have another session because I think there's a lot we can dive into. But as we're coming to the end of this one, I mean, as a stunt, so if someone's buying a business and they need to do cyber due diligence, um, what do you think is the main thing they can ask the sellers or check to see whether they are compliant? Is is there is there a one thing, one top standard thing, or is it not that simple? No, it's about it's a, it's a very broad question. That that's it. But but I, I wonder if I can narrow it down for you to about maybe five or ten questions. I would the first thing I would do I would get them to go and do that mm. that security audit you know the, yeah. the quiz that we've done if they answer properly or honestly you'll get a very quick answer number one number two you can find out if they've got cyber essentials accreditation or cyber essentials plus accreditation and I bet you I don't know if you know but out of five million businesses today only thirty thousand businesses have them right because if they have either of those accreditations then at least we know they've made a big huge step towards getting their cybersecurity uh, uh, improved if I was the buyer. Then I would start looking at, at, at okay, I'm going to get a little technical now, but I want to see whether their email, which is, remember, the only gate that you cannot close in any business or door, whether they've got the, the three key security email security records set up, because most companies don't. And for me, that immediately throws red flags. Then you, you know you can run a proper audit on 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 uh, their internal systems and their external cloud systems. You know it doesn't need to be expensive, but that will kick out. You know number five, number six, I would see what security services are these. Are they using password security? Mm-hmm. You know, are they using more than one password more than once? I mean, are any of the staff sharing passwords? You know, so the simple basic stuff that people don't have the place. Do they have email security in place? 
Do they actually back up stuff? When last they recover their data from uh, from their backups if they are backing stuff up? Because these are all business critical things that could bring a business down like this. And that could affect, you know, the purchaser massively after they purchase the business. Because then it's too late. The guy has gone off in the sunset and now you're holding this little pup. Because yeah. remember what I said earlier? Data is worth more than money. Mm. And you need to treat it so. And as soon as you can determine in any business you buy that people are not treating their own data and their customers' data better than money, then you know, mm, I wouldn't pay the same. I'll pay less. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I think a lot of people don't even think about it. I mean, we do loads of deals, probably about three to five every month. And I, I don't think I've ever once had anyone mention cyber or that sort of thing to me. So, yeah, I think this podcast hopefully will uh, reach a lot of people and get them to start thinking, well, actually, maybe it's something I need to consider. Um, well, we will give them help with pleasure. Yeah. Just, you know, I'll save you the pain. Simple as that. So. Uh, increase your value. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So um, one last thing then before we leave. So obviously there's been a lot we've touched on on cybersecurity and there's a lot you can help with. So if people do need help, where can they find you? Yeah, you know, gladly pick up the phone and, and give me a call. I'll be delighted to have a chat with you. Just mention that you that you heard this podcast. And then I know that was because of all the great work that Julie is doing on plus four four two zero three one nine five zero triple five. Or if you go to our website, which is security hyphen or minus sign everywhere.com. I'm also on LinkedIn uh, under Francis West. And uh, my email address is francis.w at security-everywhere.com. And you're going to laugh now, Julie, but I'm even on TikTok. Oh, so me I too. do TikTok videos. I do TikTok videos every week. And uh, I did one on passwords the other day, and that's sitting on almost 300,000 views, which is a lot for me. Ooh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so we post every day on LinkedIn. Uh, every Thursday, sorry, every first Thursday of the month between 11 and 12 a.m. or 12 p.m., sorry, uh, we do a LinkedIn Live where I've got absolutely brilliant experts from around the country and the world uh, talk about cybersecurity yeah. and we answer any questions that people have. So so if you Google me, you'll find me. But Come if you need me, me on one you. of your lives, obviously not for cybersecurity, uh, but uh, for let me know. But you know, Julie, it's important because we, we normally have a mixture of uh, two thirds, so two thirds of, of obviously professional people and then one third of non-professional people. Why? Because their input or their questions and their world experience like yours within M&A and, and building business and buying businesses is so important. Mm. Do you know? So your views are, are, you'll be very welcome to come and join us. I'd love to have you on. Yeah. So, oh, thanks so much for coming on. And I just want to thank our listeners for listening to the show. I really hope you're enjoying the episodes. Um, you know, if you enjoy it, click rate and review on Apple um, or subscribe on YouTube So and share in your network so we can get more listeners to um, hear the show. So thank you, Francis. Absolute pleasure. And again, thank you, Judy, because you know this helps me with my mission okay. to educate and protect at least a million businesses by 2026. You're welcome. So, once again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. I hope you found it useful. If you think there's anyone else in your network that might benefit from our podcast, then please share it with them. Either just click the link and send it to them or send it in a Facebook group or other social media channel. Don't forget to subscribe so other podcasts come to you directly as and when we launch them. 
So I'm really looking forward to seeing you next time. We've got some really exciting things coming up and we'll see you again soon.